0: Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I'm Natalie Miller-Snow and you are listening to Seize the Day. Now it's been four years since we last did this and my guest today, I'm so thrilled she's back on. She's joining me on Seize the Day and I couldn't be happy. She is a former award-winning journalist, a sapphic author extraordinaire, and I struggled trying to say that earlier too, and many times GCLS Goldie winner. Please put your hands together for the absolutely fabulous Lee Winter. Ah. (laughs) Hello world. (laughs) I was going to say good morning, but it's not morning for you, is it? No, it's not. What time is it for you? It's uh, just after 3.30 in Western Australia lovely. yes. Yeah, it's 8.30 for me here. And you're Perthway, aren't you? What, so you're about to go into winter because we've just hit spring. So you, you'll be inviting yeah. the cooler weather. Or does it really get cold though?
1: It, it does, but it's Australian cold, not English cold.
0: Yeah, which is maybe 14 degrees. Yeah, like I, I complain <laughs> when it gets to nine. That's allowed, isn't it? Oh, I love that. We've had to, our weather's been so bonkers this year. Honestly, well, last year we went up to forty degrees in the summer, and uh-huh. yeah, it's been on and off. It's been yeah, slightly unusual. We've had quite a lot of rain here now, so I think you know it's time Do you for something. Weather
1: very, very English to ask about the weather. Someday. Is it?
0: <laughs> yeah, no. The Americans are going. What's she talking about what? the weather for? Eh? Why? Well, please, yeah, please start talking about something else. <laughs> Oh, do you know what? It's such a thrill to have you on. As I say, I mean, we were just chatting briefly before we started to record as well. It's been four years since we did this and you last joined me. It was my anniversary show, first year anniversary for Caesar Day, which is four years ago. I can't believe it. Me either. My God, time. It's weird. Isn't it? I mean, we have had COVID in the middle. It was just... But it had four years is quite unbelievable. So anybody who hasn't listened to that show, I will put a link in the show notes because Lee and I talk about some really delicious topics and some really great stuff in terms of, well, I mean, how you got to be the author that you are from your journalism day. Some really great anecdotes, some great stories and just kind of what got you to where you are today. I always like to explore in these shows folks lived experience what brings us to where we are now what's kind of you know the adversities or anything that we've worked through and walked through in life to this moment so a little general summary of who you are and what you do wherever you want to go with it right well um
1: I write lesbian books that is books with lesbian protagonists in it and most of the time they fall in love and I've got a couple of outlines where it's like not a romance like I did a sci-fi book but most of the time it's about women who fall in love and I came here via 30 years as a journalist slash editor and then when the paper shut down and got bought off bought off and then shut down whatever um I had a crossroads as to whether to throw it all and become a full-time author or to go and work for the opposition, which was miles and miles and miles away at a paper I did not respect. So it was a very short think. Mm. And
0: so here I am now, full-time author. And I'm so grateful that you made that transition because I know even starting my own business, the kind of the nervousness or the, 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 it's a big transition, is it? From going out to being around folk a lot in an office, whatever that environment might look like, to then working for yourself from home full-time and you know generating income and and that kind of whole change in dynamic I'm so pleased you took the plunge.
1: Yeah it really it worked out far better than I ever thought and um, you know especially when COVID hit like I didn't really notice any change to my life at
0: all. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that incredible yeah of course because I suppose that's one of the having made that transition already you just carried on. I know. Well, I was already introverted. I don't really <laughs> go out much. Um,
1: I did my shoulders in, so I already got my shopping home delivered. So really, I just beetled on like nothing was happening and nothing really had happened as from where I sat. So, you know.
0: Right. So many things I want to touch on, on just on those points alone. It, it will come as no surprise to anybody that you are my favourite um, sapphic, lesbian author. And I love all of your books. I've got them all. There is a couple of your books. Well, Requiem specifically has got a darker edge. What took you down that road? If you compare your books, I mean, there is a massive variety in terms of what you've written. What took you down that road at that time for for Requiem? Well, it was
1: just the protagonist spoke to me in that way. Like she was um, a dark, controlled woman. I mean, she does terrible things, really. She kills So she's never going to be light and friendly and fluffy. And if I'm working with a lighter protagonist, that'll lead me down a different path. So I really, I let the protagonist tell me what sort of a book I'm writing. And um, I follow suit accordingly, (laughs) as per a good biographer.
0: (laughs) Biographer. I love that. That's how you see your characters. And because you're quite visual, aren't you? So when you start a book, you visualize the characters and then their journey. Is that how yeah, it works for you? Yeah,
1: I, I do. I do. I will often have in mind someone vaguely and then it all crystallizes as I'm writing the book who exactly they look like. And that might be a celebrity or something to just have a photo up to remind me to get me in the mood. But I'll often, like with Requiem, the entire book came to me as a movie in my head and I just wrote the movie. That doesn't always happen, but it certainly happened with that one. It's the reason, like, I have all these Pinterest boards up of, oh, this inspired me for this book and this inspired me for that book. I had nothing up for Requiem because it was all in my head, the whole thing from go to woe, and it just wow. was a movie.
0: That's really fascinating. And so that, am I right to assume that you write the book in that order then? There's no I, – I don't think I've asked any other authors this, actually. Do you write in the sequence of, of the storytelling?
1: yeah the only exception was with the red files my first book i was so excited to get to the epilogue that i wrote it three chapters before it was due because i just really want to get it down i just i had just such a clear view of how i wanted that and when i was in the middle of thought, right okay i'll write that and then i'll get back to it so i did i but most of my books are no what am i saying every single one of my books are written in order
0: otherwise because it is a movie and you visualize it as you're going through yeah that makes sense to me i'm trying to well I am I am writing a book so I'm, I'm going to put that out there it's not fiction it's going to be nonfiction um coaching related finding your purpose the the main theme and I'm just trying to find my groove as to how to do it what works for me pulling all the information together actually what the sequence is and yeah I've I'm going with an outline i've got I've got an outline which is helping me plug in areas
1: may I give a suggestion for anyone who's writing Yes, please any book. If you ever find yourself stuck and you're like i don't know how to continue i can't figure out what comes next look here's why you're stuck it's because you don't know what to write next because your poor brain you're asking your brain to write something you haven't yet fully figured out yourself you haven't fleshed it out yourself so like for me i go i can't understand why the words aren't flowing oh that's right because i don't know what i'm writing as soon as you know what you want to write generally i find the writer's block is gone so If you have insufficient notes or you haven't entirely figured it out, figure it out and then you'll find the writing is so much
0: easier. Makes total sense. I mean, and I would talk to clients about this as well when they've formulated a plan or where they want to go or, you know, goal setting or even just in the present moment, figuring out just the the small amount of details, what you want to accomplish, then can give you some flow to set the tiniest steps to get there. Correct. And now, on writing, at the actual writing part, you mentioned a moment ago that you your shoulder, um, you hurt your shoulder during COVID. How's writing been? How, are you able to, you know, get the the physical well, part of it done? I can't sit at a desk
1: anymore. It's just too painful. I've got not one but two frozen shoulders. It severely limits my range of things I can do, and like sitting up is just like a joke. So, I have a recliner chair that I sit in and a little little desk trolley thing that slides across my waist and I have a laptop on it and I write that way and it's perfectly fine. It takes all the weight off my back and shoulders and it's, yeah, it's pain-free, so yay. It is hilarious though because it's a recliner chair. in the event of an emergency, it takes a very long time for it to <laughs> go up straight. So my girlfriend will be saying, there's a courier at the door, there's a courier at the door, and I can't answer because I'm on the phone. I'm like, okey hit the buzzer. <laughs> She's like, hurry, I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. And we're up. Oh,
0: that's brilliant. <laughs> it's like some Simpsons sketch. It's very embarrassing. But anyway, there you go. So how's the garden coming along as well in that sense? it's
1: Yeah, it's all lush. All the, the birds love it and the quinders love it and so on. Unfortunately, sometimes the neighbour cat loves it too, but, you know.
0: But <laughs> yeah, For everyone who's listening who doesn't follow Lee on a, a social account, and I highly recommend, you have got an absolutely beautiful garden with an array of birds who come and say hi and utilise your space. It's absolutely sensational.
1: Well, Sam treats them with uh, filtered water, organic fruit and vegetable, <laughs> the best bird seed, And I mean, you know, they come from miles around to have a bit of a feed and flap off. And it's always exciting when we get one of the endangered species come in, like, um, I forgot the name, there's a sort of a black cockatoo that's endangered, that comes in a lot. And of course, we get the quendas, which are little bandicoot sort of marsupials that hop on in and have a feed and hop out again. So, yeah. It's it's a very nice little natural wilderness pocket in the suburbia, in the suburban hills of Perth. But like I say, we do try to keep the cats out because cats and wild birds don't always mix well. But I do love cats. I wish I could have a cat, but I can't <laughs> for reasons as stated. <laughs>
0: yes, you perhaps wouldn't have as many birds in the garden. No, I would not. Okay, so you mentioned when we started the, the conversation and, and actually moving into to COVID as well you're already used to working from home because you'd made that transition. How, if someone's looking to to start perhaps writing or bring that in as a, a part-time gig while they're still working to ultimately become full-time, what's the best piece of advice that you could give them based on your own experience to kind of make that move?
1: Well, I, yeah, I was writing while I was still working and I'm going to give you the advice that Bryce Courtney gave me. Uh, he's uh, he's passed on now, but he was a very famous Australian author who wrote The Power of One, is that it? Yeah, The Power of One. Anyway, he said, always set aside the same time every day before work and then write then. So he'd get into work at 6.30, he'd bang out one hour's work of writing and then he'd start his working day. And I thought, that sounds like bloody good advice to me. So I thought, I'll do that. So I got into work at 7.30 and I'd do an hour's writing and away i go, it really, really helped. Um, until my boss, my wily, wily boss, my ice queen of a boss, realized I was getting in early and she started coming in early too and giving me work to do. And oh. I couldn't say, but, but die, I'm writing a book because I was on work, you know, resources. And she knew that cunning woman,
0: so she was taking advantage and I was like, oh, damn. But anyway... <laughs> oh but less so then so then how did you how did you facilitate them? well
1: I would do her tasks I'd attend to her tasks they were always small and then I'd get back to writing and then she'd interrupt me again and I'd and the cycle continued but you know she she didn't try it on too much because she knew it would piss me off and uh so yeah oh so I that's how I wrote my books for a while I would also give up a weekend every now and then I would just write from dawn to dusk Saturday to to Sunday but that's not very feasible for people so yeah I recommend the Bryce Courtney school of thought just get into work an hour earlier right for an hour and then you know start your working day and then it's done then you have to think about it. you're doing it when you're freshest
0: so yeah I'll find in that time that works for you and the consistency is what I'm hearing there yeah yeah. keep into the consistency and then you you're you're achieving aren't you you can actually see what you've done
1: well then in a month's time you've had like a month's worth of hours and it's like you've almost certainly probably got 30,000 words or something. Mm. So, yeah, before you know it, you've got a whole book.
0: And we will come on to what you are writing now, 30,000. It's just made me think about where you're at with your new book. Uh, but a yeah. couple of other questions beforehand. Do you? I'm curious, do you prefer to listen to books or read books? And do you consume a lot of books during, before or after the writing process?
1: I always enjoy books Um, a great form of relaxation I like to read in bed at night before I go to sleep and in the morning when I am uh, going for my walk I like to listen to an audiobook and I also have a book always playing in the car so yeah I think I am a relatively big consumer of books not a super user like some people who power through one a day but yeah I'm always got something
0: on the go and a variety as well. Then, so you read and listen. Yeah, yeah. So it's in, when I first started with the audio books, I'd struggled, and I think that's to do with the n- narrator. And that's not to say one's better than another; it's personal preference. Um, but it, once I found a few that I enjoyed, then I was able to consume books. Yeah, more. Same it's, here. Yeah, it's good when you're out walking. You're right.
1: Yeah, no, it's it really keeps you thinking about the story as opposed to oh no, I'm doing exercise, which is yeah. my thing. Yeah.
0: You're actually learning or enjoying, enjoy, yeah, having entertainment as you're walking and doing an exercise. I love that. What, well, in your experience, having been now in the writing community and writing sapphic romance or and sapphic books generally for, is it five, six years? Uh, I think I started in 2014. Wow. Okay. So nearly 10 years. What's been the evolution? What have you seen change?
1: Um, The two things I've seen change most is the boom in audio books. That was virtually nothing when I started out. Now everyone is like, when is that coming out in audio? When is this coming out in audio? And that's a big change. People have got their favorite narrators like you would your favorite sports teams. (laughs) And the other big thing is the change in, uh, it was always lesbic when I started out. Now people are using the word sapphic, so it encompasses bisexual readers, pansexual readers, And also WLW is coming up to Women Loving Women. So, again, it's not saying you have to be a lesbian to read or enjoy the book. You can be into women in other ways or not at all. But um, so, yeah, those are the two things I've seen that, I mean, wasn't even thought about when I started writing. And now it's a big thing. A bit more inclusivity in that sense then. Well, it's just um, using an umbrella term to refer to lesfic, whereas once... There was no umbrella term, but don't get me wrong, because lesfic is still far, far, far more searched in Google as an SEO term. Lesbian fiction, lesbian books, far more searched than, say, sapphic, Um, and that's just because that's what people look up to get the results they want, even if they, you know, identify a different way. Okay, so you are going to see that on the back of book covers for a
0: while to come, because uh, publishers know that these are the search terms that get the hits. See now that's really interesting I, no no i i understand that because if you're if you want to search specifically for something yeah. you narrow down don't you you narrow down the search so you would use yeah. specific, but wherever that might be what a search engine exactly. in a social platform however as a broader term to you know i suppose generalize about the content and what's what you can enjoy and what you will see in here uh, a bigger term like SFIC is is used in that sense
1: Well, the interesting thing like okay for example let's say you're a bisexual woman who wants to read a book about a bi woman falling in love with a woman that's what you want but you cannot type in bisexual fiction bisexual book because what you will get is threesome books and eroticas right and you don't get some cozy romance sweet thing you will always get it's drenched with sex and boobs are falling out on covers and there's two women and a man or two men and one woman and it's not what they're looking for so they have learned that the term to use is lesbic even if that's not how they identify that even if that's not even really the content of the book that they're after but it does bring up all the books with the bisexual characters who love women and so on so it's just the way things are at the moment
0: yeah okay now that's really interesting uh, quite distinct changes that you've seen then over let's say 10 yeah. years mm. you call it that way and audio books as well. I've noticed that too. I mean, it's practical, isn't it? Again, now, as you say, when you walk in or in the car, you get to, to hear things. And there are um, some favourite narrators out there. Uh, who, who is it that you have on your books? And, in fact, actually, I've got a question on an audio book from Astrid she put on my post uh, when I mentioned that oh, I was talking I to you. Oh, I know what she's <laughs> she, going to ask. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't
1: seen on. it, but I know. Let me guess, okay. does, she say, does she say, when is the fixes coming out in audio? Oh, did, the, how did you know? <laughs> But She puts it every single time on every single Fixer's thing because she's so hilarious
0: because oh.
1: she's so hilarious.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let's segue on to the Fixer. I do have more questions for you, but let's talk about that. This is, Well, there's two books actually, isn't there? Your most recent releases, um, The Fixer and Chaos Agent, came out, am I right? Well, it was earlier this year, so it was January time. February and March. February and March. Oh, wait, okay. no, is that right? January and February, February. sorry. I, I, I can't remember. I only had about a week or two between the two, so yeah, I was thrilled yeah, about right. that. Yeah. I've got to say, I loved them, absolutely loved them um well let me pass it over to you to describe the book and then we can and talk a bit more about it so what is the fixer and what is chaos angel what's the premise of the the books
1: well although there are two books they are just one story told over two books and if we'd made them one book it would have been a very fat book so we just made the decision to cut it in half so the story is redeeming a villain the villain appeared in uh, the Red Files and Under Your Skin, but the, the Fixer and Chaos Agent can absolutely be read as a, stand, a standalone series. And it is, can a villain be redeemed, even if she's done some terrible things? And I set about doing that. And the villain in this case is a woman called Michelle Hastings, who runs a secretive company called The Fixers. And for a price, she will fix anything. Underhanded, scheming, nasty things. She will fix elections. She'll buy seats. She will... Um, get people published. She shouldn't be published. She will get crimes erased. She, no matter what it is, she and her company of fixers will make it happen. And into her world stumbles the panda, sweet, naive, guileless, social justice warrior, Eden Lawless, who thinks, poor Petal, Michelle is a good company doing good for everyone. She's hired for a small side job by Michelle. And in the process of everything, they come to be very fond of each other until of course <laughs> Eden works out actually Michelle's a villain And <laughs> so it goes.
0: oh do you know it's just making me feel warm inside hearing you say that back it, I loved it I absolutely loved it and it's interesting you say so there's several things actually The Fixer and Chaos Agent two books one story you need the length I wholeheartedly believe, and I'm grateful to you for the length of the story. It should not and could not have concluded in one book. Um, the particular character that Lee's talking about Michelle Hastings who is the villain in the story um and the and the the uh, r- the earlier books the red files and under your skin whilst you mentioned they can be standalone I highly urge and encourage everybody to read the former two books and in fact I did say to my friend recently I was reading the fixer I said you've got to read this it's brilliant so she's busy googling the fixer and then I say no no you've got to read chaos agent as well scrap that start from the red files this is where you need uh, to begin to read the whole the thing poor woman I'm I know sorry, she me. To me, she's, she's just, just like going to go. No, there's one book. <laughs> I don't yeah. Anyway, it, you really need the length of the books because uh, on the back end of the first two, Red Files and Under Your Skin, I did not like Michelle, and I don't use the, I don't use the word hate um, in, in my vocab generally. It, it doesn't land very well with me. But I'd go so far as to say I actually hated her, really mm-hmm. th- for what she did in the story. Yeah. It took and it needed to take a while to understand what has gone on with her as a character and to find that redemption. So I wouldn't have... I don't know that you could have done that sooner. I mean, I cried heavy tears in the second book in Chaos Agent. Really cried.
1: How was it writing
0: it and really exploring her as a character?
1: Yeah, it was so hard because by the end, I mean... I really loved Michelle too. I mean, I hated her in Under Your Skin. Mm. She made Catherine Ayers cry, for God's sake. I mean, what a monster. <laughs> yeah. And I, I didn't have any plans at all to write The Fixer and redeem Michelle. I thought, no, you've made your bed, you can lie in it. And I had people asking me to do it and I was like, nope, absolutely not. But then along came narrator Angela Dorr, who I adore, and she narrated a short story that included Michelle as a character and the way she did her voice oh I was just transfixed I had to I had to know everything about it. she just had this really clip no knots and I was just like who are you and so thus I wrote the fixer yeah so redeeming her was wonderful I had the best time and when I had to make her very vulnerable and Just before, there was a scene that makes her break down and she realises she has a lot of hard feelings about Catherine Ayers and just before she has to meet her, there's the scene where she's very vulnerable. And I cried my socks. Can you cry your socks? I cried my eyes Yeah, Yeah, you
0: can, totally. You go for it. My
1: eyes, I felt so bad for her, even though everything she did was on her. It was all her choices. Mm. But you know what? You can make a bad choice and you're still allowed to feel really bad that someone's done that. You're still allowed to have deep regret and not, you know, curse them out forevermore and say, well, no, you made your bed, you lied. And no, but you're allowed to have regret. And in this case, I allowed her redemption too.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting you say that. And for me, it's a reflection of life as well. And, you know, how we walk through society and amongst people, not really fully understanding each other or taking the time to pause and be curious. And granted, you know, some people present in a prickly way, which might make others retract. And I understand that. However, there is something about us as being unique individuals and the the stories we carry, the experiences, the challenges, the trauma that come with any one individual that actually makes them a really rich person to get to know when we take the time to be curious and just you know, lawless in these books, how she be, shes herself naturally, and just interested, and that makes all the difference. I mean, that's what I took from it. I mean, is that was that your intention?
1: Well, Ian saw Michelle as more than just ooh, the scary boss that no one should talk to. Mm. And from the moment they met, she demanded to be treated as Michelle's equal, which is something else that Michelle's not mm. used to. Being seen as a very powerful thing for human beings. Even though Eden wasn't actually seeing all of who she was, the evil stuff, she saw her humanity and Michelle had lost focus on that. She sort of lost or thought she'd lost that part forever. And here's someone who keeps pointing out that she's, oh, you're only human and it's, it's wonderful that you're feeling sorry for this boy here. And, you know, she just keeps pointing out her humanity. And Michelle was suddenly realizing there's more to her than she thought that she hadn't lost that spark and being seen, it's not only powerful, but it's restorative. Mm. Yeah,
0: that's a really great way to to say it, actually. That's a really great way to speak about it, seeing valued and heard and respected yes. for the individual that you are so that if yes. you've perhaps, cho- not chosen, if you've had to, through experiences, block off parts of who you are, actually, I can tap into those.
1: Yeah, it's the first step of healing. Of course, Michelle was convinced that as soon as Eden found out who she really was, she would stop feeling this way towards her. So she was in hell,
0: really, wasn't she? Yeah, and you know that we all. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm going to say we all. I'm making a massive assumption here, but I, I anticipate somewhere for, for folk listening in, we might t- t- tap and tap into this feeling sometimes, where you worry if someone finds or sees you in the way that you see yourself that they might not like you and you hope that they do or what you know that, that kind of that being seen when actually we're all we've all, we're all great brilliant unique individuals and when we afford folk the the opportunity to see themselves how we see them i think that's magic
1: yeah our perception of how we are and how the world sees us they very rarely match
0: mm. And I, your book talks about that so much.
1: Mm, it did, yeah. There's, there are a lot of themes going on there. And it was also a very like dig cancel culture too. How long must we punish someone for a mistake that they're genuinely remorseful for? Are they to be cast out forever? Mm. Almost forever? Ten years? Five years? One year? It's also arbitrary, isn't it? Yeah. But that's the nature of forgiveness as a society is a question that I raise as well as just the nature of Michelle forgiving herself and Eden forgiving Michelle and yeah, really interesting things. And also you have Eden at the start of the book, she's very black and white, good and evil, right and wrong, never the twain shall meet. And now she meets the most greyest person there is who blurs the lines constantly. And by the end of the book, Eden's not so sure that the world is so black and white and she's, gone through her own transformation as well at seeing that you know maybe we just should be allowing people to be human and maybe that's okay mm.
0: I see the array of color literally as you spoke that the gray and the color and that without spoiling content of the book because the, the general uh, story we've mentioned here it speaks to the blurb on the back really But the colour, the Eden freeze, and also how you talk about your characters when you're talking about the compassion, when you're talking about the depth, when you're talking about the, you know, being seen, you use their first names. And that is in the book as well. And however, when there's the the harder veneer, it's the surname. Mm -hmm. Makes it more personal. Yeah. Yeah,
1: names are very powerful things in society, how we use them. If someone misuses our name, that's powerful too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's that thought?
1: No, I was actually it was to do with my work in progress, actually. There's a character that keeps using the wrong name for one of the main characters, and she's going through a thing where she's a little bit pathetic at the moment, and she's never correcting them. And I'm just thinking, I'm looking forward to when I'm writing when she does correct him.
0: Oh, oh, excited. I'm looking forward to reading that.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. a small thing, but it's a sign that she's standing up for herself better.
0: We, we, we will talk about that book in just a moment. I've got a, I've got a couple of questions here uh, that I'll ask you. Then let's talk about your current work in progress and then anything else uh, to, to close out. When was the last time you laughed so hard that you cried? You know, when you, like, tip proper... Oh, oh, I, I don't remember.
1: <gasps> I don't remember. It's probably some TV show, though. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: it might have been Ted Lasso, maybe. <gasps> I love that show. It makes me... It does make me laugh.
0: Me too. There's a new season out. I haven't tapped into it yeah, yet. Yeah, I'm watching. Yeah. It. I'm up to episode three. It's very good. Is it good? Seriously? Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I probably, I, I know I'm waiting because I probably want to just binge them whole in one go. But perhaps I should be patient right. and yeah, watch them. Are they coming out weekly? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, it's so good, isn't it? But that does make you laugh until you cry. It did. They, they, they often do something that makes me just like, oh my god, that's funny. Brilliant! Oh yeah, lasso the the um, believe. Yes, absolutely. Now, Elise, your pen pen name. What how, does it feel like you've gone alter ego when you write your books? And how long does it take to adapt to something like that? I use my pen
1: name so often compared with my real name that I will go for weeks without using my real name. And so some days I am just, I'm just Lee Winter. The other day I was at some cafe and they wanted my name and without even thinking, I said Lee. (laughs) Brilliant. And (laughs) then I realized later, well, at least they can spell it. I'm like my real name and I'm like, I'm fine with that. And so plus it is my publisher, when she Skypes me, calls me Lee. Fellow authors call me Lee. Everyone who knows me in the authoring world calls me Lee, even if they know my real name. So how about that? Yeah. And even my girlfriend doesn't call me by my real name. It's always just, you know, an, an affectionate term. So Got you. really, I just don't hear my real name very often. You are Lee. I am Lee. It's a good thing I picked a name I like, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Do you want to know something funny? My, my pen name was almost going to be Adele Winter until ah. Astrid found out that there is an Adele Winter out there. And so we had to change it. But I was very close to being Adele.
0: No way. Oh, see, that's funny because I know you as Lee. Yeah, I can't see Adele. That's really... No,
1: different. me either. I'm sort of... Okay. I don't even think Adele. Adele was that big when I chose Adele. So right. that would have been... It's a good thing I didn't choose Karen. I mean, that's also had a rise of its own. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. And how's the, um, I remember we spoke about this right back when you first started writing, having winter as your surname puts your books at the end of the alphabet. Very foolish decision, people. (laughs) Do not do this. It will always be last in
1: any list. People most of the time will have given up at about K Just, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. And people think I chose winter because I wrote ice queens, but I wasn't writing ice queens when I started. At least I didn't even, there wasn't even a term for that. Yeah. I was just writing books with sort of these particular types of protagonists. And it was only after about book two, three, ice queen became more common. And then I became synonymous with ice queens. And now people think, oh, you chose winter because no, I did not. Coincidence. Oh.
0: It is actually quite a good coincidence, actually. It does work well. It really does.
1: You know what's funny is uh, when Game of Thrones was coming out and they used as their kicker line, winter is coming. And one of my readers had never heard of Game of Thrones and never seen anything about it. And suddenly people were having winter is coming everywhere. And she's like, Lee, your marketing is magnificent. I'm seeing it everywhere. I just (laughs) laughed my
0: arse off. Oh, I bet. Yes, I'll, I'll jump on that. Absolutely no problem. <laughs> Bring it to me. <laughs> yeah. What's been your favourite book that you have either read or listened to so far this year? This year? This. Uh, uh, well, I suppose it's been three months. If you want to go into next year, that's last year, that's fine.
1: Look, this isn't a sapphic read, but I absolutely adored Andy Weir's Project Hail Mary. Okay. Which I listened to on audiobook. It won the best audio book for you know it's a mainstream thing. It's a sci-fi tale about a man who wakes up naked on a spaceship, in the middle of nowhere, doesn't know who he is or how he got there, and that's the start of the story. And I just loved it. It engaged all my senses. But <laughs> yeah, for, that is a good intro. It really was. It was. It's really brilliant, and it won the best audiobook for a reason too. Because there's a lot of technical stuff going on in there that is just brilliant. And the best sapphic, I really enjoyed EJ Noyes' uh, If I Don't Ask, I think it was. The, one that came the, out, the most recent one, yeah. Yeah, the, the one that came out that was about the Doctor's Point of View and her yes. Ask, Tell series. And I don't like military books. I don't like them because they often have sexual violence against women, harassment, mm. um, women getting bullied, women getting raped women getting blown to smithereens, women getting trapped. I hate feeling trapped. So it is so rare to find a military book that doesn't have any of that stuff in it. And it's just two women falling in love in the army. Yay. And there's a bit of stuff about PTSD in the background, but it's not in the foreground. And I thought it was the most brilliantly structured book I've read in a very long time. And by structure, I mean how it flows and the percentages of angst versus plot versus romance versus storytelling the balance is sublime and I was very dis- glad to see that it's a uh, finalist for a Lamy this year so
0: fingers crossed Right, I have to say I echo your sentiments that book is delightful and in fact it made me go back and read the whole series it's yeah I did gorgeous too. yeah
1: and again I really don't like military book. And one of those books, I'm sure you know the one, was so angst ridden. Yes. I was just I, I wrote to EG and I said, Oh, so I read your little book of angst. And she said, Oh, I don't have to guess which one that one is.
0: It really <laughs> is. It's it's yeah, yeah, it's a I mean it's a really fabulous read, but it's it you feel uh, it. I mean, like literally it's not you feel it. For me, it, it was it's just not for that you.
1: Was, <laughs> it rained the soul from my body. It's and yeah. it was well written, but boy, oh boy, no. So of all the books, yeah, no, if I don't if I Don't Ask.
0: It's I magic. Think that's the title
1: and it was extremely well written. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I beautiful. think I heard it. Yeah, no, I, I did. I heard it as an audiobook. So that's, Abby Craden did a great
0: job. Okay. Okay. You heard it there, folks. It is a great book. Absolutely. But I also liked, I forgot to mention Strange Attractors.
1: Okay. Now, okay. by debut author Anna K. Wren, which is the iciest ice queen who ever did ice a professor at a university who is convinced she's being stalked, (laughs) but she's also a little eccentric and she's on some special drugs and making a little bit loopy. So is she really, or is she just being paranoid? And that's the whole story. And she falls in love with uh, another assistant associate professor who is the complete opposite and just doesn't let her get away with anything. And it's just a remarkable book. So beautifully detailed and described. And it's amazing. That's a debut author book just wow.
0: amazing
1: I've not read that but it's very that. very dark and a lot of people have pointed out that they thought that the ice cream was too dark oh. so if you like your ice creams on that side it's for you
0: if you like them on the light side don't just don't yeah okay <laughs> I'm now super intrigued I'm gonna to have to go by I'm yeah. gonna to have to read oh no that yes. sounds really good actually really good on book writing what book did you want to start but you haven't written Is there one? Well, it's my current one. I mean, I did start it and then I stopped. Well, let's talk to it. Tell us about it. What is it that, what's the story about and what is it that brought you to starting and then stopping and now starting Uh, again?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's called Vengeance Planning for Amateurs. It's a story of a young woman who is just hopeless in love and every partner she's had has done her wrong cheated on her or stolen from her or just done stuff like that and then one of them steals her beloved stuffed penguin and that's it she absolutely decides i am not going to be a doormat anymore and decides she's going to put up an ad in the local crime and murder bookshop for a hench person to help her enact a vengeance bucket list so she needs someone to apply who can help her basically wreak revenge on her on four exes now of all the people who applied one of them is the mysterious bookshop owner herself and uh this um what i call the other her name is olivia has already got had a bit of a contentious relationship with this woman so those two start working together even though they don't really get on and they're terrible at it they're terrible at it they're competent women in every other aspect of their lives And it turns out they're just not good at vengeance And it's my first romantic comedy. I like that. Uh, Why did I stop writing it? Because when you're writing comedy, you have to be, have a light touch and a light mind. You have to be sort of in the mood for it, unlike any other book. And I I wasn't in the right headspace. And um, now after writing the very dark and heavy fixer and chaos agent, I thought, you know, I think we should all have a bit of silliness in our lives and, so I've been writing this. I picked up where I left off, but I'm now at thirty thousand words, so it's humming along.
0: That and hence thirty thousand earlier as well. That's brilliant. That sounds really fun. Actually, I can't wait yeah. to uh, get my hands it, it, on it. It
1: is just a bit of absurdist fun. Like they just keep getting themselves in the situations. You're like, oh God, no, we're <laughs> not going to get you out doing? of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like playing against the type where you've got someone who's very uptight and formal and disciplined and all that being forced to do something that is just so out of her comfort zone and yeah I'm humiliating this poor woman I have to you know <laughs> you it's go. just so funny honestly do you have a date for release or is something aiming towards not not a date for release but I have to have it finished by August 8th but so it'll probably be okay. out next year
0: okay oh fantastic so we've got something for next year but well you did spoil us with two this year so that's, um, I oh, that's I did. That's how I see it too. That's yeah. A, yeah, we we'll hold on. We'll hold on. Um, right, okay. So you need to guess who asked this question. Who is Astrid. your, no, no. <laughs> who, <Okay>. is
1: your...
0: <laughs> who is your Who is your favourite author and why is it EJ Noise? Okay, that's a bit <laughs> of a tough one. I'm gonna guess
1: EJ Noise. Oh yeah. And she's my favorite author because no, she's no, not. No. <laughs> she just wishes it was so. Just because she wrote oh. my favorite book last year doesn't mean she's my favorite author. That belongs to Rosalind Sinclair. Okay. Yes. But she's okay. Very close. She's really close. She's just if she tell EJ EJ for listening, just write a better book, okay?
0: Yeah. <laughs> just improve ten percent, and you'll be up there, girl. I'll tell you what. I'll tell. Her, I'm going to, We'll. I'll see her. So this is this show will be out in June, and we'll be see. I'll see her in a couple of weeks at GCLS, <laughs> and we'll do your video, and we'll send it over uh, with her response. Okay. <laughs> so that's cool. Okay. <laughs> that's brilliant. And then this final question, um, I will ask Lee and Sam, your partner, if you could have one fan come to live with you for three months, why would it be Charlotte? Charlotte. So that for everyone I'm listening, <laughs> who is yeah. Charlotte?
1: Um tell charlotte sam is still rolling her eyes from the last time she invited herself over and the time before and the time before and the time before but um yeah we'll we'll look into the situation and then we'll let you down i mean we'll look into the situation (laughs) that's
0: brilliant. now charlotte is one of your beta readers right charlotte yeah she every now and then well she used
1: to do all my books but she's pretty busy at the moment so i get her for some books not all Like, she did the fixer, but She didn't do Chaos Agent. Um, Okay. She's great. She's a really, really good beta reader. And she's incredibly funny. And um, she loves Dolly Parton. So, you know,
0: she's got a lot going for her. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's a a great cornerstone right there. This has been magic, Lee. Honestly, this, I've just checked the clock. I can't believe we're coming on to an hour, I think. Yeah, because we started at half past. I've loved this, really loved it. And I could actually, and would love to talk more. Um appreciating time though, and however long anyone's got to listen to this also, what's important that we haven't yet had the opportunity to speak about that you might like to air or talk about?
1: Oh, damn, it's got to be important. all right, um, important or anything what what's yeah, what's what comes to mind? I do think the one thing that I wish people would know. Is that when you say you write lesfic you're saying you're les- you're writing lesbian fiction it doesn't have to be a romance that's mm. just the bee i have in my bonnet and have had for a very long time um because you know there are a lot of people who are upset with the ending of shattered because although the protagonists were happy they weren't happy together they yeah. found happiness apart they as i say they walked the path together for a little while while they needed it and then they went their own ways and people were very unhappy and were angry and was saying but that's that's not a romance i'm like yes you're right that's why it's not listed in romance that's why this is in sci-fi <laughs> mm. so yes that would be my wish in life is that people understood sort of lesbian equals lesbian fiction lesbian romance equals romance
0: that's you know a really great point actually really important and a great point i'd echo what you're saying i mean shattered is in my top three i love that book absolutely adore it and you've got a new cover coming out is it coming out or is it out already yeah it's out wonderful no, it's beautiful cover the
1: cover. yeah the old cover was uh had a very cartoonish feel and people thought it was for young adults or that it was a graphic novel and right. so the people who thought that and dismissed it didn't read it and then the graphic novel people and the young adult people who did read it and were disappointed because it wasn't what they thought so they were disappointed so basically the cover please no one so yeah i wanted to convey the dark mature themes that are in shattered which there's some very heavy themes in there but yeah as, as a as a species humanity
0: so we found a cover that was a bit more adult and that's that it's so. glorious it's absolutely beautiful the new cover and like i say it's in my top three i love shattered my favorite quote ever is from that book and i love the premise and i would echo what you're saying it, you know, Lesvi generally does not have to be romance unless it specifically you know talks to the idea that this is a romance book. The story is beautiful. how it you know you mentioned how we meet people and sometimes we just need to our our paths to intersect, as your quote says, in order to help support us move on and still form those friendships and those bonds It'd make a great movie, <laughs> yeah, so yeah it totally would. and I'd uh, It'd be I'd, um, a cheap cheap movie to film
1: too because there there's not a lot of scenes as I mean. It's, um scene shifts they're just really in a cave for most of it
0: yeah it's I love that story it's great and that made me cry as well a lot I had to I actually had to shut the book yeah
1: I'm not surprised it was very hard with little little Lucy that was that was the bit that broke me too
0: yeah honestly loved 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 speaking to you i'm so grateful for all that you've shared i'm so grateful for your time and i this is you know a wonderful conversation to have to have you on as well very self-indulgent for me because i get to chat to you about everything i love about your books and just generally as well Um, i appreciate your time lee thank you so much for for joining me thank you for having me let's not wait Four years, yeah. Let's <laughs> not wait another four years. That is a great idea. Let's do it sooner. Yes, let's. Yes, yeah. let's do it again. Pencil me in for three years. Hence,
1: that's done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning into this season of Seize the Day. Some really incredible conversations there. I hope you would agree. Now, if you're curious to keep in contact with me, I am launching a brand new community called Be The Change. There will be details in the show notes and please check out my social media pages for more updates. I'm also launching GAP, a new cohort, on the 17th of July. If you want to have monthly mind workouts... And just keep yourself fresh and looking to change please come and join us equally if you want to know anything more about coaching please visit my website nmscoaching.co.uk and you will find podcast details there too or just tune into your favorite listening platform to hear more. It's been a delight being with you over this past season and I am so grateful to you for listening in as always. Take care everybody, look after yourself and keep well and I will see you very soon.